Creativity can be quite an abstract topic. One might ask where creativity comes from. Who tends to be the most creative and how can we retain creativity in the professional atmosphere? In this episode of Thought Pioneering, we're going to discuss these topics and more and really dive into what it means to be creative and what you can do to effectively lead creative people. Welcome back to another episode of Thought Pioneering. In this episode, we're going to be talking about creativity. Now, I know that this can be a very complex topic depending on who you might be talking to. So for this episode, we're really going to explore some areas that we believe creativity comes from and what you can do to step out of the comfort zone to be more creative. Or if you're a leader of creatives, we'll also talk about some pitfalls that you may want to be aware of so that you don't stifle creativity on your team. We're going to go ahead and get started, and I have a guest uh, today with me, and uh, Stephen Hampton. I'm just going to throw it over to you, Stephen, just to introduce yourself, let the audience know a little bit more about who you are, and we'll get rolling here. Thank you, Kyle. My name is Stephen Hampton, and I am a project manager, and my job and what I do is basically find creative solutions to people problems. So I've been able to uh, tackle problems in different business units and solve them and make things better, but it's always by thinking out of the box and looking in places that other people didn't. So kind of a fun topic to jump into. Absolutely. You know, uh, you and I have been on a couple of different podcasts, very different in different uh, areas around the company that we used to work for together. And so one of the things that I really enjoyed is just every time we get to, together and start talking about creativity and innovation, just the, the amount of conversation, the, the quality of the conversation that comes out of it. So I thought, why not get you here today and let's talk about this for real and have, it, have other people listen in as well. So I'm glad to have you here. Well, thank you, Kyle. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, Stephen, the first topic really is about what is creativity. And I'll, I'll preface, or actually, I'll just start this one off, is that when we think about creativity, there are many different ways to think about or how to define creativity. And the, the way I'm going to define creativity in this episode is by going through some of the peer-reviewed articles. This one's going to be called Reliability, Validity, and Factor Structure of the Creative Achievement Questionnaires by uh, Shelley Carson, Jordan Peterson, and Daniel Higgins. And so this is kind of the, the research that I'm going to use to define creativity for this episode. First is by creative achievements. And according to Carson Peterson and Higgins in their 2005 article, a creative achievement is the sum of creative products generated by an individual in the course of his or her lifetime. And based off of Barron's 1955 criteria for creative products, a creative product must be both original and functional and adapted in some pragmatic way to reality. So that could be like a music uh, composition or a poem or some sort of training or movie. Again, it's, it's something that is also, uh, it's got to be both novel and useful. Kind of interesting. We have creative ways to define creativity, right? It is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> There's been a lot of research that goes into this. I like that. So when we think about creative achievements, uh, again, they're made up of creative products. One of the cool things that I look at this when we start thinking about creative products is that uh, one of the things that really stuck, stuck out to me was that it must, it must be both for a creative product, it must be both original and functional, and it can be adapted in some pragmatic way to reality. So I'm in the learning and development field, and I look at ways that we train, attract, and retain employees at a, at a given company. And a lot of times we have to use a little bit of creativity to, to apply something that, that will maintain relevance in the classroom. Uh, one of the, the examples I can give is building an escape room for learning. I, I have no idea. I'm not a professional when it comes to building escape rooms, but I was trained at a conference, uh, shout out to the Elliot Macy 
conference. Uh, this is uh, something that I was really proud of to be a part of, but I was trained in how to build escape rooms. And now they didn't train us how to build escape rooms for the learning and development, although it was implied that we're at a learning conference. Let's, let's look at how we can build escape rooms. I was trained on how to build escape rooms. However, I was able to take that and apply that and, and kind of adapt that to the learning field and say, okay, we have a learning objective. Here's, I know how to build an escape room. I've been uh, developing my skills in the learning field. How can we apply this thinking to this field? And so uh, we came up with the leadership development escape room, which was kind of cool. We talk about policies, uh, the procurement policies at a company, which is already a boring subject if you ask me. So either way, people were going to be in an escape room. But we just took that and adapted it to a new way of thinking. And, and when I look at creativity, I also, that's the one, again, it stuck out to me because it was something that you don't have to come up with something completely brand new because that's kind of hard to do. We, we hear that when we think about innovation too. It's, you're not really, you can invent things and you can innovate things. And so it really it kind of reminded me a little bit more about innovation. So taking something that kind of already existed and applying that in a pragmatic way to a new way of thinking. Sure. I, th I think in that instance, Kyle, and we'll talk more about this later in the podcast, right? But the creativity, what you did is you took an, an area that you knew a lot about, which was LOD, and then you took it to an area that maybe you didn't know so much about, which was the financing or procurement, whatever you're doing. And then you creatively applied the concept of the, the escape room to bridge that gap there, right? And so it wasn't just a, a one plus one equals two. The creati creative part of you allowed to see the plus sign. Right. And I think that's a, an interesting thing there. And when you think about the, the way that they describe the creative achievements or the creative products, right? If you look into that, not all achievements are going to be creative and not all products are going to be creative. And so it's interesting. I think that sometimes, like if you're naturally a creative person, you're probably going to have a lot more creative achievements or products in your lifetime to point back to. And if you're not, but I mean, how aware of, of these, where these things originate, are we aware of? Right. And so I think it's interesting about the whole concept of this podcast where we're trying to harness creativity is to recognize that there is a moment where creativity gets interjected into the thought process or the product that we're trying to create. Yeah. And, and to a certain extent, too, I also believe that creativity stems from a, some sort of level of entrepreneurship. I always joked in the, in the learning and development field, we need to be entrepreneurs first and then learning and development specialists or um, professionals second, because at least in my world where I was, that I, we did a lot of open enrollment, so people would come in and take our training courses, and we right. developed employees. So if we didn't market well enough or we were launching a product that didn't do well in the right. quote-unquote market, then we, our, our product was no longer good. So you have to kind of sell the product, but also mm -hmm. create a product that people want to interact with. Right. Well, I guess on the open enrollment side, people have to want to take your class. Yeah. And so being an entrepreneur and selling your ideas that way, yeah, I, I could definitely see bridging the gap that way. Yeah, and the, the cool thing about that too is – I don't want to get too down. I won't go too down the, the rabbit hole in the, the L and D profession. Uh, but when we step back out and we think about what entrepreneurs do sometimes, I mean, they're, they're like visionaries, they cast vision and, and sometimes they'll find the people that can do the nitty gritty. Maybe the, the entrepreneurs are really good at setting the vision, but they still need a team of people to work with to be able to make that vision become a reality. And entrepreneurs can take an idea and launch a product. And if it doesn't work with the market, the market responds in a, I guess, less than optimal way. They'll take that and say, okay, that didn't work. Throw it out. Come up with something different. Successful entrepreneurs are good at doing that when, when it comes to divergent thinking, saying, okay, this, this didn't work. Let me try something else. Right. You know, it's interesting, like, if you think about, like, the products or whatever that we actually purchase or we sell, 
you know, how did you creatively, how, how was the marketing or the commercial aspect of that? And you probably could say that the most successful products might be the creative products, or at least there's a creative way on the entrepreneur side to have gotten to you. Interesting thing to think about. Another thing that the, the research also talked about too, was when it came to creative achievements and it really talked about um, the amount of people that are aware of your creativity. So how many people in your circle, if you have a, a good circle, people will probably know you and, uh, and this goes for anyone really. If you're, if you're in the creative space, they know you, they know your creative products, but look outside of that. So if you're at an organization, you say, okay, people at my level in the organization know me, they know my creative products, but take two steps up. So if you're an individual contributor, take a step or two up. So go to the director level or two management levels up above you and say, do people know, are they aware of your creative products? And so that can also help determine, okay, is that considered a creative achievement? As you go up higher up that hierarchy, you see less and less people recognizing you as in your creative achievement. Yeah. I mean, that one, I, that's a interesting thing to consider for sure, because I think that, you know, when, when you are looked at as an individual or like a, an employee or whatnot, what you're kind of asking is what part of you or what the, the product that you bring to the table is appreciated, right? And, you know, when I introduce myself as a project manager and I, I find creative solutions to fix problems, that's valued very well, like at my current level, but kind of I've witnessed that the higher you go, the less that creativity seems to be appreciated. Now, there's a conundrum there because is the creative, is the creativity less needed the higher up you go? And I would argue, obviously not, because if you're keeping me as busy as I am right now, uh, it seems to be that we have a need for a lot of creative solutions. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one to consider for sure. Well, another, another way to think about that too, and I'll, I'll go back to uh, Jordan Peterson. He also stated that, and, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here too, but he, he'll also state that the, the creativity kind of gets weeded out at the, the bottom of the dominance hierarchy. So in, in any given profession, you have the bottom of the dominance hierarchy is essentially do what you're told, very rigid set of structure right. and rules. And for creative types, and we'll get into a little bit more about personality traits here in a second, but for creative types, that's very, I would say very um, stressful <laughs> and it's, and it could really stifle your creativity. And so those people are weeded out of the organization very early on at the higher, at the dominant hierarchy. So all that's left are going to be people that are technically or quote unquote non-creative. And then you promote those people up with, throughout the organization. Then all you're left at at the top are non-creative people, which the actual, the inverse should be happening. You should have a good mix of creative people. Cause again, if we associate creative people with entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial thinking, then you want entrepreneurs at the top of the, at the top of the organization in a company. Right. Yeah. I think all of that speaks to culture. Culture can be driven intentionally at an organization. And it's, and sometimes it's not driven intentionally. Um, I, th I think that, that, that culturally aware organizations would probably be more they would probably value the diversity of skill sets and personality traits throughout their organization, understanding that that's how you leverage the best of people. And then I would say that probably when you start to get a more segregated perspective or, or stratified layers, that might just be more unintentional. They're not, not paying attention to things that really matter. Well, when we look back at the, the personality traits, I talked a little bit, I just kind of briefly touched on that. Uh, one thing I found pretty fascinating too is that you can kind of utilize the the big five in psychology are going to be the, the five personality traits, which are openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, uh, agreeableness, and neuroticism. 
you can look at those personality traits and, and some of them are, are key indicators for the potential for someone to be creative. For instance, uh, I'm going to go back to my notes here. Let's look at openness. Openness is a trait that uh, features characteristics such as imagination and insight. And people who are, are high in this trait also tend to have a broader range of interests. And so they're curious. And I, I think a lot of that, when it comes to creativity, I was having a conversation the other day at a cigar shop with a buddy. I said, you know, creativity, we we're actually talking about this podcast. And we had, we had, I had worked out some ideas for this and we've kind of gone many different ways on what I really want to talk about for this episode. But one of those things that I got out of that conversation is that the underlying or the common denominator for creativity is, is essentially curiosity. Like, first off, we have to be curious enough to go out there and find that maybe there's a problem out there that we have to, first off, we got to be curious enough to go and find a problem to solve. Or if there's a problem to solve, be curious enough to work through different solutions and see what works and what doesn't. So there, people with high openness are, tend to be a little bit more curious about the world than other people, and they're eager to learn new things and enjoy new experiences. So people who are high in the openness trait tend to be more adventurous and creative, and people that are low in this trait are often much more traditional and may struggle with abstract thinking. I think with the openness where it feeds into, you know, another aspect to look into it is you, you question how things work. Mm, yeah. not, not so much why, right? It's not a challenge. It's a, it's that natural inquisitiveness. I'm seeing this happen. How did that happen? And then in my mind, I, I kind of think of all these little solutions, like, like little Lego blocks. So yesterday we had, I don't know, 25 gallons of Legos spread out on the living room floor with my kids. And that gigantic pile of Legos can become anything, right? I was building an island fortress and it was going to be amazing. Well, you know, when you ask and you see the world and you see all these solutions and these things that are happening and you ask, how does that work? And how does that work? In my mind, I see these as, and obviously I'm a creative person, so this makes sense in my mind hundred percent, but I see these as little solutions that you've now, you've stacked and you're aware that these are possible solutions. And so when you encounter a challenge or a problem you don't just see that, right? It goes back to the, the possibilities where possibly we can join some of the solutions that we've encountered in the past with the problem that I'm facing now. And the cool thing is, depending on your background and how open you are, what you've been doing is you've been absorbing those potential solutions the entire time. And then you come to that moment where you can apply, plug it in, figure it out what works and then go forward. And so it's kind of a cool way of looking at it. Yeah, another thing too to to piggyback off that off off that thought is that in order to be creative, you also have in a in a given space, you have to have domain knowledge of that space. So you either have to be formally trained in that area. Uh, for instance, if I wanted to be creative in the aerospace, I'm in the learning and development field, and I, I worked mostly with the utility uh, sector. If I wanted to be creative in the aerospace industry, I, I can't just step out of utilities. I mean, there might be some overlap with processes and culture, but I can't step out of the utility space and go in working for like Boeing or Lockheed and be like, Hey guys, this is, here's a creative suggestion. It's not going to go over well. And I might find myself looking for another job. So there's, there is that factor where you have to have either formal training in the domain that you're working with. Cause you, you got to be able to apply creative thinking in a pragmatic way, adapt that to the, the problem that's trying that you're having to solve. You know, I don't know if it takes formal training or like, you know, a doctorate degree in it. I know that's not what you're saying at all. But I do think a moment to absorb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we have a, a one of our mutual friends who came to the company a number of years ago. She was here less than six months. And in that time, she had very effectively been a sponge 
and absorb so much of the organizational knowledge and organizational culture that she was able to produce viable solutions, yeah. you know, and I don't know what that space is called. Right. But it's, uh, I, I think it's something that, you know, just as much as my past experience has exposed to me, these, these solutions that I've witnessed in the world, these creative solutions, you know, I think having that time to soak in the organization and be exposed to as many of those pieces as well. It would be interesting, you know, do we allow people to shadow or circulate or, or, or just be around and ask those questions to try to, to get that out of the box solution sometimes. You know, that's actually a good point too, because, okay, so we're both, we, you're a, a formal project manager. I've managed multiple projects throughout my career. Yeah. And at a certain point, I have, a, I can't just come in and lead a new project team. Even though I have an idea of what the project is, I can't just come in and lead a new project team sure. and say, all right, here's a creative solution. It takes almost a little bit of time, kind of like when you bring in a new, new fish, you got to put it in the water and let it acclimate to the surrounding right, environment. Right. It's like, I got to have the kind of like that time to acclimate to the surrounding environment to understand, okay, what are the, what are the true problems? Identify, help identify root causes and whatnot. And, and then you start coming up with creative solutions. That, that that will be acceptable by the client or that the client deems as valuable. So it, it, there is some element that you have to be in that role for a little bit. Like you said, soaking up the information like a sponge to be able to use your creativity and say, okay, how do I apply this skill set here? Whether that be looking for a problem. Some people don't know that they have a problem, which is always, it's always fun. Uh, whenever you tell them, Hey, you have a problem. And they're like, no, we don't. We just need more training. <laughs> like that's your problem. <laughs> so there are also like, there's those things that you, where people don't know they have a problem. And then there's a, a, like, maybe there's a problem that you have to reformulate and think of it or look at it through a different lens. Right. Right. Actually I won't go into details in this one, but we recently had a, had an issue where the work group that I'm in now we have a specific task that we perform monthly. And then given the roles and responsibilities of our group versus the roles and responsibilities of the group that I would understand that this, this should live in, I had to have a, a very candid conversation with my management to let them know that it's not that I can't do this, it's that I shouldn't do this. And it represents a certain amount of risk, right? Right, yeah. And so that comes from the utility space and how I understand the way regulation and compliance all works together, which my understanding is imperfect. But then at the same time, the experience that I had prior to that was that time that uh, my home inspection report got shared with my bank as I was trying to buy the house and all they needed to know was the inspection happened. They didn't want the details, but now they got the details and they wanted to know what happened to all the details. Right? Yeah. And so that was one of those moments where, you know, outside the domain experience, we able to bring that up and yeah, educate people. You got a problem, but how do you do that sometimes? I also wondered too, uh, and I get asked this a lot, and I struggled with this 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 idea where people might come in and say, "Well, I'm not creative," and I've had the I'm, if, if if it's one topic that's given me the most trouble, uh, it's just kind of thinking through it. Is I used to believe that everyone was creative or had the potential to be creative. Like, do we believe that? Do we believe that everybody is creative? You know, do we believe some people are more creative? I do believe, yeah, I think everyone has a potential to be creative, especially when they have a traumatic experience. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about this too today, just outside of the podcast. But um, when people go through a traumatic experience or they have extreme limitation on resources, they tend to be more creative. And I think you gave a pretty good example about that. I'll just let you share that too. Yeah, so we recently watched a, a great movie on Netflix. So shout out for that one called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. 
And it's a story about a boy in uh, Mumbai, I believe, who was faced with basically his entire village starving to death because the, I'm not going to ruin the story, but they faced a drought, okay? And absolutely dire situations. A uh, fun fact, that movie was, the time frame of that movie was actually my second year of college, right? So while this guy is over here, you know, hand plowing a field with his father and trying to figure out how they're going to pay for school, I'm sitting in an extremely air-conditioned building trying to become a, a, a med student. That did not pan out very well for me. However, you know, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind is a story about a boy who had the absolute smallest amount of education, was faced with a problem, which was starvation and death, and he questioned, how did the light on the bicycle illuminate? And it came down to the fact that there was a diode tied to the wheel, and when the wheel spun, electricity was created. And he was able to create a windmill out of junkyard parts that saved his entire village. And it's a tremendously inspirational story. But I mean, I think that goes back to your point that sometimes you have these, these crazy situations that prompt the, the, a heightened need for creativity. And so it creates the environment where creativity is both needed and therefore it also flourishes. And Jordan Peterson uh, also talks about when it comes to creativity, creativity emerges when, for one, there's an extreme restriction on resources and also when there's a problem to solve. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, you know, if you're listening in this episode, it's like, well, yeah, I, if you are creative, you might be thinking, well, I've, I've been creative when there hasn't been a problem to solve. I would challenge you to, to really think about that because any time we look, and not just me, but also talking with other colleagues, anytime there has been a creative moment, it's because we've had to do something. I look back at like the escape room. There was a problem. We had, we had to create more engaging content. And I just happened to go to this conference, learn about escape rooms, learn how to build them. And then apply that back. It's like, oh, I just, I had took a problem or reformulated a problem and I solved it using creative thinking or with a creative solution. And I'll tell you, there were a couple of times where I didn't have all the answers in that process. I actually leaned heavily on my team that I was working with because I was, I just got into this role. I've only been there for three months. Who am I to come in and start changing stuff? Sure, I right? sure. talk about domain knowledge. I had domain in uh, the escape room building, but I didn't have domain in procurement policies of a Fortune 500 company. I didn't even know what procurement was. I had to go look it up when my manager told me. <laughs> so I relied heavily on the team and to to really give us that that domain knowledge. And so it was really more of just trying an idea and, work and running with it. So you look at a company like 3M, and you look at the amount of products they launch, they launch something like 25, 26 products a week. And that's, you know, an average taken out over 52 weeks. That is uh, an insane amount of new products to market. And they have a rejection rate on, on their ideas of 80%. So you look at how creativity uh, is, is stimulated throughout a company such, such as 3M. Yeah, that's, it's interesting that, that 3M has embraced creativity as almost a business model. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting, like when you, you talked about how you believe that creativity is kind of like hand in hand with entrepreneurship. And it's obviously we have companies out there that are leaders in this space and they value creativity very highly and they've built a space for it within the organization. Um, I can definitely say that I've, I've worked for several different organizations where creativity doesn't necessarily like blip on the radar at all. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think, you know, when we go all the way back to like what we really started with in the beginning, you know, the idea of creative achievements or creative products, there's probably very few things that we all do day to day that aren't the product of some type of creative achievement or creative product. So I don't, I don't know if we have a space in this in the podcast or not, but 
you know, I would probably say that organizations should find a way to celebrate and, and highlight creativity because it's how we got to where we're at. There's a <clears throat> creativity can build the path here. Now, sometimes we don't always need to be blazing paths. So we talked about that, you know, with, um, if, if you're not quite super duper open, you know, you're more of that, you know, I, I'm very linear, step-by-step process oriented, like, like our accountants, our lawyers, our, our engineers, we do want them to follow every single step, every single time. Um, and so it's interesting. I think maybe creativity may have helped us get here and there's other stuff that helps us stay here. And then, but I think understanding the whole picture. Yeah. And to go back to that, just for the listeners too, cause I gave you a little bit of context on the openness, but the, when it comes to openness, uh, high or some, some of the traits, the characteristics. So if you're high in the openness trait, uh, you're either, you got things like you're very creative, you're open to trying new things. You're focused on, uh, tackling new challenges, or you're happy to think about abstract, abstract concepts. If you're low in that trait of openness, then you dislike change. You don't enjoy new things. You you resist new ideas. You're not very imaginative and you dislike abstract or theoretical concepts. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not trying to harp on the people because you, you, like to your point, Steve, you need, you need a balance. You got to have order to some of the chaos. And right. so... Uh, don't, if you're listening to this, think of like, wow, well, they're, they're just really throwing shade on the, the people that are non-creative. That's not at all what I'm not trying to say. All. No, 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 no. So the, I, I think I'll chime in there with the whole personality traits, the way it works. This is just simply ways where we attempt, and I'm going to highlight the word attempt. We attempt to describe and understand people and it's an imperfect way. But if you're going to look at openness and the way we're going to describe where you're either creative or you dislike change. You should always look at that as a scale. Yeah. Because right? you're not going to be a hundred percent creative or a hundred percent this or a hundred percent that. We're all we're we are these magnificent, diverse creatures, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so don't try to stratify it that where you can just pin somebody down on that one. And uh and and so I, I think that creativity is one of those things we talked about this earlier. I I believe everybody has the capacity to be creative. There are some people they are naturally inclined to be more creative. Mm. And so, you know, the, the topic of thought pioneering and harnessing creativity, there's going to be some people that are going to, this is going to become easier is not the word. I would say it's more natural. Yeah. And so to recognize that, and in the, the, the true, um, gist of, of personality traits, it's really to help you understand yourself where you're at. And if you have a desire to go further into something like that, you do have the opportunity to develop yourself in that direction. So let's talk a little bit about stifling creativity and I'll, I'll kind of, uh, we'll wrap up with this topic. The, one of the things you brought up a good point where it's like, I have to set some time to be creative. And, and a lot of times, uh, creativity to your point happens in the moment. It could happen during your eight hours of work. And oddly enough, sometimes creativity might even look like I'm daydreaming. And I'd, I'd always joked that in my, in my current role, it's like, man, I get paid to, to dream a little bit. I still have to create products from those dreams, but I will, the, the joke was uh, research, right? I had a cup, a coffee cup that says research is what you're doing when you don't know what to do. I need and that coffee cup. Yeah. I can give it to you 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so my job might look like, okay, what if I'm getting paid to daydream? And that's, that's the joke, right? In school, we got in trouble for daydreaming. We said, Hey, quit daydreaming, pay attention because right. ideally you're going to work in a factory one day and you can't be daydreaming on the factory line, right? which isn't really the case nowadays. That's an outdated philosophy. So um, <laughs> a lot of times it, what I'm trying to really get at is that corporations can tend to stifle creativity because they don't allow for that quote unquote daydreaming phase. And again, certain roles 
don't allow for, they, they shouldn't right absolutely yes. yeah yeah don't daydream on the factory floor yes, yes don't do that yeah if you're a factory worker um right. i'm sorry but you don't need to be daydreaming um if you're a lawyer in the middle of a case uh, in court you don't want to be daydreaming <laughs> either so there's certain roles and certain professions that are really made are really creative professions right I, I think that you know to and step away from the corporation I think that because this is all about personality and so let's bring it back to the person. I think that what's very important is that if you are a creative person or if you desire to be more creative, to recognize that it is a process and that there are, there's things that you can do to, to unleash that creativity. And so I think that in the same way that we would beat up a corporation that doesn't embrace creativity or, or value it, we probably should point the fingers back at ourselves and mm -hmm. ask ourselves, are we stifling our own creativity? I know for me, I've had my, my bosses, like during the pandemic, we had people that were paying attention to your green light to make sure oh, yeah. that you weren't working at seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock at, at night, right? Because suddenly our computers came home and our entire world revolved around <laughs> whatever table you threw your computer on and everything. But there was moments where I had to realize that the work that I was doing then was the most creative it's ever been. Yeah. And I had content we were churning out constantly for this or engagement activities or messaging or whatnot. And I had to strike while the iron was hot. Yeah. Right. And as a creative person right. who's, who's using creativity to fuel the effort going forward, you understand that. And I think that if, you're, if you are a creative person, I would encourage you to try to understand your creativity, understand when it peaks and understand what, what makes it better or the, all of that so that you can better use it. And then also understand the parts of your job that feed the best off the creativity. It's one of those things that for me, right, as I've become more experienced as a professional and I've had an opportunity to communicate my work style and my personality to the various people that I've reported to, you know, Kyle, I've never had to worry about working for someone and they'd be like, Steven, what are you doing? Yeah. Because they trust the process. They trust the product they inevitably receive. Well, they trust you too. And they trust me. But that took a long time to me understanding it. Yeah. And so I would, I would encourage people to try to understand that side of themselves and uh, the value that it brings and, and find a way of communicating that out. So let's talk about the leaders that might be listening in on this podcast. So if you're a leader... It's really for the faint of heart to lead creative people because they will, they will drive you crazy sometimes. Um, I was speaking for some of my previous bosses, but my previous leaders, but for leaders of creatives, what are some tips that we can give to them to not, not just stifle, not, we don't want, you don't want to stifle creativity, but help encourage creativity within your team. Sure. I think that I would, if I was a leader over creatives or not, I would want to understand the type of work that the work group was doing. And I would want to understand the types of skill sets that it takes to accomplish that work. And for the work that takes creativity to understand the space and the time and the environment that it takes to produce the product that I'm hoping this employee will provide. And I think that just to set an expectation and expect it to be delivered is not going to work. You got to think about this as a seed that needs to be watered, that mm -hmm. needs to be cared and taken for. And I can promise you, the better you take care of your creative professionals, the better your creative professionals are going to take care of you. But then, like we've talked about, it's not all the same, right? And so there's going to be a diversity of employees and there's going to be a diversity of the way that all these things work. 
And so take time to understand that. And the, the leadership, management, it, they have such an insanely powerful role to set the environment. Yeah. And do not, under, do not underestimate the, the effect you have on the environment. It's, it's not a warning, it's a caution. Yeah. Because we, we got to set the environment where we want people to thrive. Well, another thing too is to give them, give them room. Uh, and I say that, give them the opportunity. So give them, I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly, but give them permission to fail and, and don't come down. Yeah. Don't come down on them when they do. Cause the creative process is a very messy process. Sometimes again, you got to try fast, fail fast, learn fast. And sometimes you come up again as, a, as being agile in some cases, but also being open to yes. different ideas other than your own is, is really for creative people. They they'll try something again, the openness to ideas. If it right. doesn't work, they try something else. That's where the entrepreneurship really comes in to, to make sure they survive. Right. So like I'm, I'm literally looking at my Instagram feed right now and I have this whole list of things that I've, I've liked these, these little like, I don't know, motivational ideas. And to come back to the, you talked about lean and, and the common project management stuff. Think about the iterative process of oh, yeah. projects. So the whole goal is to take little bite-sized pieces and, and until you can break your project down into as many pieces as it takes to accomplish it. It's kind of like eating an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. I prefer cake, but I don't know. I, Maybe your elephant you know tastes what? good. We can change that one to cake. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a better picture anyway. But like if you, if you take, if, if you are going to look at a singular instance and judge the overall product by a singular instance, what you're doing is you're not paying attention to the iterative process that I would say is the very nature of being creative. And I have this, this picture right here that, that talks about, it's basically is a whole bunch of X's and we would want to see X's as mistakes. We should see X's as experiences because what happens if you've failed 50 times, right? Or you didn't produce what you were looking for 50 times, but on that 51st time, it's a home run. Yep. Back to that example we had with 3M. Why does 3M have a culture where you are churning out 20 to 25 new products every week, knowing that there's a failure rate of 80%? It's because you're just looking for that one home run. Yeah. And, and I mean, shoot, sometimes I'll even settle for a base hit. Like, yeah, absolutely. In the, the creative process. And another thing, too, is like, to your point, in the iterative process, sometimes being creative, you, you take a small step, you take a small bite. Right. And you don't see it hit the fence, but hey, by golly, it got through the, the infield. One of our cool guys that we've, I've had a chance to listen to, and he gave some leadership traits and stuff for, this is some advice that I would give the leaders. So when you, when you set the expectations for your teams, what I would encourage people to do is not to be so insanely precise with the expectation that it's not achievable. Mm. Right. My encouragement would be is that you set it at about 75% of, of the expectation and so that when the product is delivered, ask yourself, does this, to your point, Kyle, does it hit, is it in the ballpark? Is it within the realm of reason? Did it, did it move the needle? Yeah. And sometimes things will far exceed your expectations. And sometimes they're just going to, all right, well, we'll just mark that down as accomplished. But then the nature of our business are, is there's always going to be other opportunities, mm -hmm. you know? And what I would say with the creative professional, and this is how I feel, is that it gets better over time domain excellence. Yeah. If you are privileged enough <laughs> to retain yourself a creative professional over time, you have an ace of spades up your sleeve that will be able to help you creatively solve problems along the way. And the more they're exposed to, the more impact they're going to be able to have. Yeah. 
And that brings so much value to an organization. Uh, I mean, I can't even explain how, how much value. And it's, it's, in a sense, it could be easily quantifiable too. I would, I would say so. And I think that if you don't want to believe it inside your organization, let's look without, outside your organization. So what happens when you hit speed bumps or you get into a jam and you can't get anything moved past your work group? Sometimes we reach out to consultants. Yep. And what are consultants? They're usually creative people. They're usually <laughs> creative people who have domain experience. They just don't happen to work for you. Yeah. And so uh, just marinate on that one for a moment and ask yourselves, do I have any of those people in my umbrella that could possibly serve this capacity? Yeah. You know, how and could I empower them? Are they hidden? Oh, that actually good, good point. You bring up empowerment and we'll kind of leave up, leave off on this one is that another way that you as a leader can help creative people flourish. If you are leading a team, maybe you have somebody that's creative on your team. Like, I don't know how to lead this person. Whatever you tell them, you, you might give them a little bit of direction and they'll take it and they'll run. You might need to provide some bumpers to say, hey, here's the lane. It's, it's a four lane highway and here's the guardrails to stay on this four lane highway. Sometimes you have a one lane highway, who knows? But always looked at it, and this is coming from Craig Rochelle. He talks about um, empowerment. The key to empowerment is clarity and trust. And when you look at the, the directives you're getting or you're giving creative people, you have to give them a clear direction forward. If you don't give them a clear direction forward, they're going to run with it. And trust me, they'll come back with something really cool, but they'll be like, whoa, that's way out in left field. That's not what I was looking for. So give them, it, 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 and I'm not even joking. I'm saying give them a lot of clarity when you give them a directive and trust them. Because if you micromanage them, they're going to feel stifled. They like to, again, they like to have those abstract thinking. They like to have the, the, the divergence of ideas. Again, creative people are high in the openness trait. So they're focused on tackling new challenges and they're happy to think about abstract concepts. So give them some clarity, give them some trust. And that's how you empower creative people. You know, what's interesting about that, Kyle, because we talked, uh, you know, earlier, you know, about if you're, if you're a creative person, this is how your, your brain's going to work. And if you're not a creative person, you know, I think that without a doubt, maybe not everybody can be the most creative and they can't always be super effective, but I would definitely say that all leaders could effectively leverage creative professionals. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Well, Stephen, I definitely enjoyed our time here today. Uh, thanks, Joe. Uh, hopefully, I can have you on another podcast down the road. And thank you for the listeners. This is a bit longer than our normal episode, but why not uh, capture the opportunity and take advantage of it? So again, thank you all for listening in, and we look forward to seeing you on another episode of Thought Pioneering.